When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Father, bilhin niyo ako kami, Father. Bilhin niyo kami, Father. May award kami, Father. Father, may award kami, Father. Ah, for graduation. Oh, yeah. Kailangan graduation niyo. 27, birthday ko yan. 30. 27. What they saying to you? They all need haircuts, and they want to get haircuts and buy their clothes for their graduation. Because the graduation is on the 30th, you know. With, with all these children, there's uh, so many things they, they keep asking they need. And they, uh, it's a big uh, excitement for them because they've never graduated before. We're sitting here at the Prada Center on the veranda, looking out over the Subic Bay. And uh, as we look to the southwest, we see an island uh, at the mouth of the bay called Grandi Island. That's part of the uh, U.S. Um, the U.S. Uh, Naval Base Reservation, and uh, that's a, a holiday resort for the sailors. And uh, if we look directly south, we're looking out over the um, the QB Naval Air Station and the Forest of the Navy magazine where they keep all these missiles and weapons and ammunition and what have you in there. Looking out over the uh, open part of the bay, you'd never imagine no, there is a huge military base. This is one of the biggest military bases actually uh, inside or outside the continental USA. And uh, we must say, well, because of this location here, that's one of the reasons uh, we have uh, nightclub owners and, uh, and politicians would like to get this land where we have the rehabilitation center, you know, for the drug dependents and for the street children. And the sunset goes down here every night, you know, and we can, we sit out here with the boys and, you know, with the children and, well, you know, it's for them and they should enjoy it. And I'm glad that they have a chance to enjoy it rather than going for more nightclubs and bars. I see a great big, uh, uh, this is, uh, looks like a Galaxy C5, one of the biggest airplanes, uh, no? Uh, in the world is coming into land at QB. It's uh, it's bigger than uh, a jumbo. It's that's a massive. Uh, it's a massive um, aeroplane. It's huge. You can put uh, I think five, six uh, battle tanks inside that. A couple of helicopters. You can hear it now coming over. Look at it. Oh, it's just huge, isn't it? Besides the aeroplanes, we're aware of the military base because of so many uh, U.S. sailors coming out in town. And we're aware of it because of the abuse of women and children, no? That's uh, the social cost, the social impact is terrible. And in our work for the Filipinos, uh, we're constantly reminded of this uh, very unhappy relationship between the U.S. Navy people and uh, the Filipinos. 
There are 5,000 military personnel permanently stationed at Subic Naval Base. This number more than doubles when the 7th Fleet escort ships come into port every few months. The Prada Rehabilitation Centre was set up by Dublin priest Shay Cullen in 1973 to help street children. Inside the centre, Shay gave me the sad history of some of the children of Alongapo. I guess the first big shocker for me and the eye-opener was in 1982 when one of the sisters came and told me that they had many children discovered in their clinic who had uh, venereal disease. And there was 18 of them. And they had been brought to the mayor and he had put them in the local hospital to be treated. But it discovered that uh, US sailors were sexually abusing them. By the time we found them and went down to interview them in the hospital, the Americans had disappeared and were allowed to escape. So these children had been very badly abused and all had syphilis, gonorrhea, herpes. It was really terrible. Nine years old, 10, 11, 12, like that. Then in other cases, um, last year was the case of Rosario Baluyot. Rosario was a young 12-year-old girl and uh, running around the streets, you know, abandoned by her father. Her mother was dead, I think. And uh, she was picked up by a tourist from Austria and with another little boy brought to a hotel, sexually abused. He used a sexual vibrator in her body and uh, it broke inside her body and she died a few months later of a terrible internal disease or infection. And uh, it was a horrendous death for a, a young child. They tried to cover it up here. They tried to pay off the complainant, you know, the grandmother, but we were able to stop that. So we really fought hard that some justice for this kid would be done. And we got it, at least a tourist. It was a lot of evidence. And he tried to pay off, which was a sign of guilt. And he was convicted to life imprisonment. He's appealing that case. Another case now here, more recently, is some of the street children that we've been helping here at Prada. These children were sexually abused by two sailors. One retired, living here in Alangapo City, and the other active inside a military base. So we were able to get the children to tell us everything. And the mother was uh, the pimp. She was so poor and has terrible poverty. But she's been, uh, when she was 14 years old, she was sexually abused herself and she's been a, a prostitute all that time and is still in terrible poverty. And uh, so started to bring her daughter, you know, and sell her to the sailors. And uh, we were able to get her to confess and point out who they were and make statements. And so did the children. So there was a very strong case. So we helped the children file a complaint against them, and it's pending now here. This will be the first time ever, ever there was a case like this successfully pursued in Philippine courts. What's your name? Ian. What age are you, Ian? Grade 6. Grade 6. What age are you? 13 years old. You were living on the street, were you? We have a house here, but my father and my... My f my mother can't can't look after you. Yeah, wow. your your mother and father couldn't keep you because they had not enough money. That must have made you very sad. Hmm? Yes. How many children do they have? Six. I I am the eldest. In. The... And did you have to give them money? Some. 
Sometimes my mother is asking me, do you have some money? Your, your younger brother has no milk. No food? Yeah. And did you give her money? Sometimes. When I get some money, I'm going to give it to her to buy our food. Did you have any problem with prostitution? Did anybody ask you to? No. No. Mm-hmm. What about your friends? May kikilala mo na ay sumama sa kanaw sa hotel. Minsan, meron. Yes, there was some I know. Who would they go with? Sinong kasama sila sa... Yung dalawa po pala, si Andrea. Kasama ko rin po sila, siya mm. si Christia. Mm, there we go. I go before in the same group as Andrea and Christina. Now, they are the two children who were sexually abused by these Americans. And do you stay here now? Yeah. you sleep here? Yeah, I'm staying here. Do you like it? Yes. Why? Kasi po, napapag-aral ako, tapos, ano? I'm happy here because I'm able to go to school now and uh, I'm changing my life. What do you hope for the future? For your future? To finish my studies and have a good job. What's your name? Raquel Valate. How old are you? Twelve years old. Why are you here? My family's poor. And were you living on the street? Yeah. What did you do there? Uh, I selling a gum. Selling chewing gum? Yeah. And what did you do then? Then I buy I buy some I buy some food. What food? Rice. And where did you sleep? In the street. If you didn't sell chewing gum, what would you have done? How would you have got enough money to eat? Kung wala kang gum para magbabenta, anong ibang kamuro nung gawin? Namamalimos po. Ah, namamalimos eh. Yeah, so she said, uh, we, we beg, really. And did you get much money from the foreigners? Malaki nakita mo ang pera sa mga dayuhan dyan? Minsan po maabot ng 500. Sometimes, uh, we would even get 500 pesos. So, Pinakamababa po sa akin, 100. And uh, when we're begging, the lowest I would get would be 100 pesos. And would they just give you the money or would they ask for anything? Kasi po, kaya po nila ka nagustuhan. Karamihan po sa akin, mga negro kasi ka-same color ko eh. They would say that sometimes they they had a, a child also that looked like her, they would say, to make friends with her. And then, uh, well, you know, then she they'd give her some money. You mean among kano? Yeah, they were all right to me, you know, and they they were uh, not doing any bad things to me. What about your friends? Yeah. Yes, they did bad things to my friend uh, Christina. That's the little girl who was abused. I don't deny the social problems that go with the establishment of any military base anywhere around the world.
Stan Schrager is Councillor for Public Affairs at the United States Embassy in Manila. Certainly Alangapo has its prostitution, it has all the social ills that you describe, but they're not unique, I think, to Alangapo. Alangapo uh, and the American military bases did not bring prostitution to this country. It exists in the country, it exists in other countries around the world that do not have military bases. We're aware, however, of the, the negative aspects of the presence of the bases. We work closely with local administration officials, with local government officials, with officials of Alangapo to try to manage this situation and prevent the more unsavory aspects of the the whole problem from coming to the fore. We think, though, that although there's a downside, we think the the city of Alangapo has progressed and benefited economically from the presence of the bases. And if you go through Alangapo and talk to city officials, I think they'll be the first to tell you that on balance, the presence of the bases have been economically advantageous for the city of Alangapo. What are the more unsavory aspects that you talk about there containing those? I'm talking about prostitution and AIDS, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of security there, and we try to control it as much as possible. We work with local government and local police authorities as much as we can to, to dampen the situation. Now, one of your fiercest critics, I suppose, is Father Shay Cullen, who works at the Prada Centre in Alangapo City. And one of the allegations he makes, and he has made it, I think, um, in the past, is that U.S. servicemen have been involved in child sexual abuse, and I believe some cases have already been filed against certain servicemen. I don't deny that that indeed may exist, and I think uh, I respect Father Cullen, I respect what he stands for, and uh, we work with the authorities in Alangapo to, to deal with some of this. I said the more unsavory aspects of this entire situation. I think all I can say is that we're aware of the problems and, and we're cognizant of them. We don't endorse them, we don't promote them, we harshly criticize them, and uh, any serviceman, for example, found guilty of any, any Philippine crime will be put on trial, and not as many people think spirited out of the country. That simply does not happen. Are they put on trial here? They are indeed, or the case is settled out of court, which is most likely the way it works in the Philippine judicial system. Only 1% approximately of our people receive what's called an official duty certificate, which means they were on official duty when this alleged incident took place. And a lot of Filipinos, I think, have the wrong impression. We're, we're very strict about that. But if they're off duty, it's different, is it? If they're off duty, that's, that's correct. It's totally different, and they're subject to Philippine laws, and we have what we call an international hold, which means that these servicemen do not leave the Philippines until this case is settled, either through the normal judicial system or by an out-of-court settlement. Right, this here now is Magsaysay Drive. We're going to swing left here. Magsaysay is the uh, main industri industrial area of Alangapo. There's no other industry here. There's no other factories except nightclubs, bars, and uh, these massage parlors here all along the way. Uh, most of them, as you can see, have a, a very distinctive uh, U.S. Uh, flavor, uh, as you can make by their names. Uh, we have the home of the mechanical bull right in here, where they do wild rest uh, uh, bull riding on a big machine, and they all dress up in cowboy clothes. The women? No, the men. But the women also put on uh, some boots and stitten hats no, to please the customers. And uh, this other place over here is um, 
well, Johnny's Beer Tavern, and then we have the East Coast, the Rolling Stones uh, nightclub here. There's a few more that uh, used to be uh, quite notorious. Now, many of these nightclubs were found uh, by the U.S. Navy investigators to be selling uh, drugs openly and they reported it to the authorities inside the base and the authorities decided to close the the clubs temporarily, put them off limits but the Longapur mayor went and talked to the admiral and had the ban lifted. We have Wimpy's here, we have Kelly's fast food, we have the stag bar and uh, the power station. These are some of the popular clubs. Blue Heaven and the Sexton Hotel is over here which doesn't leave much to the imagination. They, uh, many of these women over here we see on the right hand side they're all uh, just uh, waiting for customers to come this is uh, Sam's hotel or Uncle Sam's hotel that's appropriate you have the Naval Bazaar over there down here you have the the, the dirty rock and the dirty bird no? Woodstock Sometimes along here you see these uh, shore patrols. These are the U.S. Navy. They come out here and they, they patrol the city streets themselves. I think just two of them in uniform pass by there. And they arrest uh, their own men. You see here, if any of these sailors uh, violates Philippine law and abuses any of the women, they're not uh, automatically under the jurisdiction of the Philippine government. They are immediately picked up and brought inside the base. Usually they get off scot-free. We'll move on down the street now and uh, we'll uh, approach the gate. Right here, unfortunately, right in the middle of the nightclubs and bars, you have the Catholic school here and uh, the church. And that's where many of the women go to pray before they go to work, hoping they'll get a, a good man or they'll get a man who won't bruise them and beat them. Yeah, they're very, they're really, and many of them very genuine and sincere, you know, because they can, uh, they can get quite a uh, bad time, you know, on the job. And some of them have to take drugs so they could endure what they have to do, you know. Um, and many of them are very ashamed and find it very difficult. So when you see them inside the nightclub, standing up there on a pedestal, uh, practically naked, and they're just gyrating like robots, no? It's because they've taken some drugs, no? To try to help them to do it. So here, right ahead of us now, you see here the, uh, the you have a, a base um, entrance over there, and that goes across the bridge that separates the city from the military base. That's and the entrance into the base that's there. That's the entrance right into the base. Yeah, they fortified it now because of recent uh, threats from the NPA. So they put up uh, sandbag uh, machine gun emplacements just inside some of the gates and this one here has been reinforced because of this wow you can get the bad stench coming from the river yeah there's no uh, there's no sewage treatment plant for this whole city of 250,000 people so all of the septic tanks no and some houses without septic tanks no so the raw sewage flows right here into the river and uh, street kids, some of my boys are telling me that when they are running away from the police, they jump right into that river, you know? It's like a gooey, dirty soup, you know? So it's really terrible. Now we're moving down here and uh, we're going to head off for the 
booklet center. The booklet center was a drop-in center for women, so they'd have a, some place of refuge to go. Uh, we helped to set this up, you know, back in uh, in uh, 1986, and uh, it got going practically a year later. And uh, it's a place where the women can go, where they can learn something about the dangers of AIDS, how to protect themselves, how to uh, be assertive, you know, and to try and protect their own sense of dignity and self-worth, and uh, to get counselling and help, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's a start, and I hope that it might lead to uh, even greater things, you know, like alternative uh, industry and uh, jobs for them, because you know, the women here are supporting their children, their parents, back in the provinces, sending them to school. Their brothers and sisters go to school on their earnings. They keep nothing for themselves and that's why they're always poor. They never can earn or save or, or get themselves out of this mess. What they're happens when they get older? Well, they're always hoping that they meet a really nice guy who'll marry them, but they very rarely happens, you know nice guy is really nice to himself and he drops them that's why sometimes uh, you know the women are like uh, the, you know Kleenex women they're just used and thrown away so it's a very uh, dehumanizing business altogether here I met Linda, a former bar waitress who now works at the Bookload Women's Centre, which among its services provides night care for the women's children while they're out working in the bars. There were only a few children there the night I visited because there were no ships in, which meant few of the women were working. Before the centre provided night care, the women used to have to take their children with them to the bars. You sleep in the chair or some, some of the waitress or some of the women uh, watch their children, something like that. And there's also one reason that uh, we decided to uh, give to have some uh, night care center. Most of our children here are uh, infants, uh, two months old above. Uh, we have uh, one uh, girl here is only seven years old. Uh, that's the she's the oldest uh, girl here. Linda started working in the bars when she separated from her husband. She couldn't manage to support her five children with the money she got from her candy selling business. That time I'm really depressed, no? so I decided to work in the, uh, in the bars. But before that, I, uh, I have a small business no, to uh, gain days, but it's not enough for my uh, family. So one of my neighbor here, uh, he said that why... Uh, she offered me to work in the bars. I said, I don't like that to work in that place. No? But she said, uh, not, you don't work as uh, entertainers or as a hostess. Instead, uh, waitress. So I said, and then she said that, yeah, you make lots of money because uh, the place you work is uh, American sailors. No? And then uh, I said, give me a chance. No? Give me a break. I'm because I didn't, didn't really want to work in that place. And then, so at that time, I, my uh, children, is, uh, I mean, uh, nobody's helped me. No? Even my parents, they don't know that uh, I'm already separated with my husband. And then I decided to work at that place. So I started working in uh, one open bar as a waitress. 
In Ilongapo, most of the bar women don't see the men only as customers, but as their boyfriends. But many are disappointed when they never hear from the sailors once their ship has left. Many militaries, you know, just promise you to a big, uh, uh, I mean, for example, to the other women. Even me also, it's happened to me one time, and he promised me to marry me or to support me, something like that. So I'm also waiting, but until he left, no? He don't uh, send you some letter or what, so it's bullshit. <laughs> but, uh, and many uh, women uh, got a case, no? Uh, for their promise to even though they know already that the women's pregnant, and then they said, uh, okay, I'm, I support you, I, bring, I, I, uh, I send some money for the baby, something like that, but when their ships left, no more uh, communication already. They don't send some letter or what. Like many in Ilongapo, Linda has ambivalent feelings about the U.S. base. She says that for many women who have little or no education, working in the bars is the only choice they've got. I cannot say that it's bad. or uh, For me, it's bad, no? Because uh, many people already, uh, especially the women, no? But... Uh, there's no choice also for them because uh, most of the women search, they got lack of knowledge, no? So they cannot find a nice job because uh, most of them, they're only elementary grades and the rest, they got no grade one or, I mean, they cannot really know how to read or to write, something like that. So they got no choice. That's why the... Uh, he said, oh, I think it's better if I go to Olongapo because it's easy to make money there, you know? got uh, base. You know? Many of the women in the bars take drugs like cough syrup and Valium to overcome their shyness and to make the work more bearable. Some of the women who work in that place, they make lots of money because before uh, they start working, they take some drugs. So they don't, they are especially... Um, uh, Lots of drugs, no? they take uh, syrups, and cough then syrup. cup syrups and volumes and spade. Because so after that they don't, they, they don't pain. try. Yeah, mm. they don't try, no. Uh, and then most of them they don't know what they are doing to the military servicemen. Mm. That's why they make more money. Yeah, that's the only way to make money because uh, if you're not. For example, me, I don't uh, take some drugs, no? And then if I talk to the customer, I feel uh, shy, no? So I don't talk, no? I, I just uh, I just leave him and then I just ask him only if he wants some more drink, something like that. Yeah. Although Linda worked as a waitress in the bars, she was reluctant to actually go out with customers. But she says she was forced to sometimes when she hadn't enough money to feed her children or to buy their school things. And she found it very hard to explain to her children what was happening when she'd bring a customer back to their home. I'm crying that time, but I don't show them, no? Because uh, I don't want to see that I'm crying, something like that. And then I said, uh, I bring some customer in the house because we got no money, and then... How you can eat if I don't? Because at that time there's no ship in that in town. No, sometimes two months, three months no ship in town, and sometimes we work no, and then we live in the bars empty. Even once in Tabos, we can no income. So it's really hard. And then I rent the house 300 peso, and then I got five children. How I can support them if there's no ship in town? So sometimes even uh, against and my say. Uh, 
even I uh, against no I mean especially to go to the customers but because of poverty or we got no choice I mean and then I'm not paying my college so no so what can I do so I said uh, maybe if you some one day maybe uh, you understand the situation no? why uh, why you say me with somebody else no so now they understand already but they can really cannot uh, accept me and I'm working in uh, in the club and then uh, if somebody uh, asked him oh your mama got boyfriend already and then this smile nah, no so something like that so when I work or in when I'm already a staff of Buklo, they said, oh, you're, they're happy because I know, I'm not working in the clubs no more. Linda then reluctantly agreed to accompany me to one of the bars in Alangapo. She was uncomfortable because she said the women from the bookload centre are regarded with hostility by most bar managers. We went to the runway bar where two women dressed in bikinis were dancing zombie-like on a small stage. There were only a few customers, three US servicemen, who weren't too keen to be interviewed. So are you, you, you from the Navy? Yes, I am. I really, I'm shy, you know, I'm shy. Can I talk to you for a minute? It's no, Roisin Boyd from Irish Radio. No, you can't. No, why not? Because I'm not Irish. I'm American. Are you from the base? No, I'm retired. Ah, and you live here in Alangapo? No, I live in the United States. Do you not want to talk, no? I don't want to talk. Back on the street, I asked some sailors what they thought of Alangapo and the criticisms levelled against prostitution in the city. It doesn't bother me, not really, because it's their way of life. You know, nothing we can do about that. Are you from the base? Yes, I am. Uh-huh. I just got here six weeks ago, right? Right. And is this your first I, time here? My, no, it's my second time. I was here temporary for two months, right? I like Alangapo. People here get friendly people, but because it's a third world country, then you're going to have a situation where people is going to be trying to uh, make what they can of each other, right? And do you go to the bars? Yes, I do. Hmm? Yes, I do. Why I go to bars? Because the bars here is much different from where I'm from, right? In the States. How are they different? How are they different? Because for one reason, you got... A lot more ladies, which is something that guy, a lot of guys will like, you know, ladies, ladies, ladies. What do you think about people who say that the base has, is uh, very bad for the Philippines, that, you know, that women are exploited here? Hmm? It's not very much exploited because it's a different country, right? Different country, you can expect different things. And since the different things is going on, and it's an environment that we're in, a third world country, and you can expect that, you know, the people are going to be doing different things that are different than what we are used to in the United States, so. There are frequent demonstrations against the U.S. bases in the Philippines. Just last week, when talks started between the U.S. and the Philippine government about the future of the bases, whose lease expires next year, there were clashes between police and demonstrators. This protest outside the U.S. Embassy in Manila, however, was peaceful, and Bishop Tiplish of the Independent Philippine Church told me why he was protesting against the bases. It has influenced our Filipino life here. It has dictated the our economic policies, and it has brought AIDS to the Philippines. Uh, the 
first basis is a target, is a target for Duke uh, Larwar. Uh, we do not want that. We have no enemies. The United States uh, have enemies. Oh, why bring the warrior in the Philippines? Uh, that, that's why we are against. We want uh, the United States to dismantle their uh, bases here because we do not want that those bases here. It only gives harm. Uh, it's uh, you know uh, it is uh, uh, a way of uh, shortening our lives while we promote lives. Christianity must promote life and not death. This U.S. basis is a manifestation of death. It must be out of the country. It must be dismantled. Alupat kay dami mong mga utang o buhay. I was ordained in, in Easter 1969 in Dalgan Park um, with the Colombians. And I, the following uh, September I arrived in the Philippines. And I was, uh, within a week or two, I was assigned here to Longopo City. And immediately I began uh, working in the sacramental ministry in, a, in the city parish of St. Joseph's. But uh, right outside uh, the gates you know, of the church compound, there were bars and clubs, you know, just within a, a short distance. And uh, in the school I began to meet uh, so many of the students, and uh, they were uh, having so many drug problems and uh, so many... Uh, family problems, broken homes, and all the rest of it. You you weren't prepared for that, were you? No, I wasn't prepared for that work. We were uh, expecting to just work within the sacramental ministry at first. But in my mind, I had uh, other ideas too of how we might be able to contribute, you know, to the problems, you know, in a you know of the country, and how to be more missionary. So uh, I began to see, look for special ways in which to help uh, young people. Now, it was the time of the Vietnam War when you came here. Well, yes, when I first came here. And the, every month there were many, many ships coming here. And this was a main uh, sort of a storage area for all the munitions for the Vietnam War. And it, it was also a, um, a jump-off point to launch the invasion of the, of the Asian mainland. And that's still the purpose of these bases here. During the Vietnam War, Alongapo became the busiest port in the Western Pacific, with thousands of GIs coming from Vietnam for rest and recreation. OK, yeah, there was thousands of GIs coming in here at that time, and I was very aware of all the, uh, the uh, abuse that was going on and the women and uh, what was happening to them, and it was really a tragic, tragic situation. They came here for what they called rest and recreation, you know, uh, have a good time, what they, um, what they couldn't find in Saigon at that, those days, they came here for it. There was a, a thriving sex industry here, the flesh trade. There was no other industry, and there is no other industry here at this time. And all the hatred they saw within the battlefields of Vietnam 
and they, you know, they spewed it out here uh, in the bars and the nightclubs and Filipinos were the victims, really, of all that uh, anger. Yeah, coming straight in here from the battle zones. And, uh, you know, it was really a Wild West-type situation they had here. Prostitution is technically illegal in the Philippines, so the women in Ilongapo are usually called entertainers or hostesses. 7,000 of these women have permits granted by the mayor's office in Ilongapo. They also have to undergo regular medical checks for VD and AIDS. The Social Hygiene Centre in Ilongapo carries out these checks with the help of the US authorities. This is in large part funded by what we call NAMRU, which is our Naval Assistance Medical Research Unit that works with Philippine health authorities and the testing and the follow-up and the counselling and the consultation are worked out in consultation, in agreement between us and with the Department of Health of the Philippines. Is that not, in a sense, though, encouraging the whole area of prostitution? I don't think so, and I don't know how you're going to prevent the whole area of prostitution. I think uh, one way, of course, and I think we, we deplore the the unsavory aspects of all this, but... One way to help it, of course, is to build up the economy and to make the economic pie larger so all these young women with no training and little education can find jobs and get an education and find worthwhile ways to to practice a profession without having to indulge in prostitution. And I think uh, the story of many societies and many countries have shown that as the economy gets better, the level and the percentage and the segment of those engaged in prostitution goes down. But Sheikh Cullen's not going to stop his campaign against prostitution, and it's meant that he's unpopular with the authorities and business people of Alangapo. They uh, try to intimidate no, by filing uh, complaints with the Commission on Immigration and Deportation in Manila. But they, uh, they rushed these charges there and... Uh, it was the discovered that they had filed charges and that the prosecutor apparently was paid off because he filed the charges without having any evidence. And the affidavits that they were ordered to produce a month later uh, showed the dates where after the charges were filed. So he had no, he had no affidavits on which to file charges, except on hearsay. Do you ever have threats made against you? Well, yeah, we've had threats, uh, distant threats, you know, armed men being seen in the vicinity, you know, at one time, black uh, ribbons, you know, tied to the bushes outside our center, things like that, armed men going to visit the, uh, outside the house of our staffers, you know, so that's... uh, Armed men? Well, they looked armed, Mm -hmm. some in uniforms. They look like paramilitary or, you know, guns for hire, you know. And even guns for hire will dress in a military fatigue to look like military. You don't know who they are. It's very difficult. But it's certainly alarming at times. But anyway, the way I, we look on it and my staff, we uh, accept it as part of our work. And it's uh, no less than many Christians are suffering elsewhere and far worse in Mindanao in the, and in the Visayan Islands in Negros. My God, you know, it's terrible down there. They're shot dead. There's no armed men giving warnings and no threats. They're just killed, and the bodies are thrown there like, uh, you know, garbage. It's terrible. I mean, at least here we don't feel that terribly threatened, although it is uh, a cause for caution and alarm. 
At the Prada Centre, Shea Cullen and his staff, as well as fighting for the children's rights, are attempting to give them back what they've lost of their childhood. We uh, have a legal service, you know, and we fight for the kids and, you know, try to get them out of jail at least. And we invite them to come here to the centre and start a new life and find childhood again, you know, and play and go to the beach and, you know, uh, sing songs and have fun, you know, just really live it up, you know, it's just, and go to school. Now we try to work with their parents, if we can find their parents and reconcile the child to the mother or the father, as the case may be. The kids uh, cannot always go home because there might be a sex abuser somewhere in the neighborhood or in the family, usually in the family and sometimes the stepfather or, you know, uh, you know a distant relative who's come to stay with the family. That's common. And um, so the child has nowhere to go except on the streets. But also there's cases of physical abuse where the, with all the poverty and the mother can't look after them and it's you can't blame the mother sometimes also, you know, for she's washing clothes all day and can hardly stop even to get a bit buy a bit of food, no? And uh, five or six kids and to look after. And of course uh, it's a terrible situation. So she will uh, you know, be angry with the kids and they run away and Freedom for the child is on the street. And we try to respect that freedom. They're not locked up here, no way, it's open house. But they stay because they want to, because they're ready to stay, because we can persuade them and convince them that they have a chance of the future, work for it. And uh, our skill is motivation, really, and rapport, getting to know the kids. And that's how we find out about the sexual abuse, because they come to trust us. Now, when street kids come to trust you, then you're on your way, <laughs> you know, because these are smart cookies. These uh, children are really streetwise, you know, and you have to know how to talk to them and how to relate with them, and, you know, and very soon uh, they, will, they will respond to a frank and honest approach and straight talking, you know. We really are frank and honest. And, um, you know, they've seen the world from both sides. And uh, so we get them to school and they have a new life. Not all make it, but uh, some go back to the streets. But they'll come back later, at another time when they're ready. Take away my time to be a child. Let me breathe the air with you. Give me room to be and space to see. Lend me a name, our voice to see my dreams. Tell me, can I share your world with me? I am one young dream. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.